you're listening to this podcast, you care about local politics. If you're listening to this podcast, you're checking in on a series on the Making a Difference show known as Primary Focus. And what we're doing, particularly in Augusta, Richmond County, in the state of Georgia, is we're focusing on local candidates who will be participating, who are up for election in the May 22nd primary. Before we start the podcast, let's thank a few sponsors. Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard. If you're looking for affordable health care and a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Let's also thank Jesse and Doris Willard with your locally owned H&R Block at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah. I recommend them because of their 25 years in the business and because they personally do my taxes. Call the Willards at 706-305-1412, 706-305-1412. Again, thank you for your concern and your passion about local politics. And if you're listening to this podcast, please, please, please make sure you participate in these important elections in 2018. You're listening to Making a Difference. Welcome to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I have a gentleman who, I mean, I, I really could say a lot. He's a, a, a voice that you've heard on this podcast, that you've heard on this show. If you guys will remember some of the work that we did over at WKZK, he was a, a regular contributor, a regular guest on the show. And so we have him here uh, in his capacity as the commissioner of the District 6 of Augusta, Richmond County. He is up for re-election. And I just, I'm going to allow him to introduce himself in his own way. We have uh, District 6 Commissioner Ben Hassan. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Ken, about yourself. It's always a pleasure to, to be here. And I'm truly excited to see a young man like yourself stay involved in the media because the media is very, very important to this community, especially, you know, I believe in telling have opportunity to tell your own story. And entities and individuals like yourself allow us the opportunity to do that. That's very, very uh, important and being uncensored in terms of what you have to say. And I uh, cannot thank you enough for staying the course and staying involved in the media. That was one of the things that really, really drive me as I began to look at the body politics and look at the impact it had on the community. The first thing I did was to begin to look at our politicians and see how they were and go to speak to some of those who were in prominent positions and try to see what was our challenge as a people. And then after that, I began to look at the media and look at the media. I would read the newspaper every day. And we're talking about the mid-90s now. And then also I would take a look at the different uh, CBS, Channel 6, Channel 12, and Fox 54 and what have you, and just trying to see what was the news saying. My wife, so much so my wife would say, well, what are you looking for? That's the same news you saw this morning. What I was attempting to do then is trying to discern how they were, the community was being, or the narrative was being formed in our community that you wouldn't think for yourself, you just go along with the program. And after that, I also would listen to Austin Rhodes and things like that and see what he was saying. And then one day, after about three years, I would honestly say, one day I was listening to something, I was reading or listening to one of the news outlets, and my spirit said, you know, they're really not your problem. They're really not your problem. Your, your destiny, your destiny is still in your own hand. And after that, it was on me trying to find a way to get involved in the process. So once again, thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Ken. I really appreciate this. Most, most definitely. Glad that that you brought the, the podcast in in that way, because I incidentally, I want to talk about narratives as it relates to the Augusta Commission. And I've, you know, asked a previous guest or recent guest on the podcast who are also, uh, who are incumbent uh, commissioners. We hear so much in the media, we hear so much from, I think just the community at large about the commissioners and what they're doing and what they're not doing. I want to ask you, what do you believe is the, uh, one of the bigger, or maybe the biggest misconception about the commission as a body? Well, the biggest misconception is that we don't get nothing done. 
and 99.9% of the issues the commissioner agrees upon those issues. And then, but the most part, the part that challenges us more than anything, what challenges us anything, more than anything else, is that the media highlight on that half a percent, a quarter percent, and it magnifies because all the media outlets consciously or unconsciously carried it. And so at that point, point, people begin to realize that that was the only thing on the agenda. But 99.9% of things was agreed upon probably to unanimous consent, but nobody knows that. I agree with it wholeheartedly. I've uh, been one of those individuals, you know, just over the, the course of, I would say, the last three to four years. I've said, you know, I agree with certain things you, you've done, you all have done. I've disagreed with certain things you all have done, but I think the important thing is to be able to have the dialogue and more importantly, to be able to allow you all as commissioners to have the opportunity to speak for yourselves. In that spirit, you know, I know it's a campaign season. To me, if you're an incumbent, it's kind of understood when you're campaigning, the work that you're doing for the community now kind of speaks for itself. The campaigning is kind of implied, but I also want to ask you if you can just kind of uh, recollect or recall some of the things that you've been able that, that you and the commission have been able to do over the last uh, three or four years. I know Hyde Park comes to mind, Stormwater comes to mind, but let me let you have those uh, have that have that uh, dialogue in your own way. Well, well, I appreciate the opportunity once again. I mean, what, what I'm first I would like to say, how do I gauge just to say what I'm about to say? Because ultimately, I'm going to say we're in the best place it's ever been. I've been going before prior to becoming a commissioner. I've been going to the commission and the committee meetings since 2006 to the tune of 80 to 90 percent commission and committees meetings mean every Tuesday I was there and to see and it then when it started in television in 2006 as well I end up uh, interviewing anybody who ran for office 2006 to 2013 I interviewed them also in starting a radio program called Kim we talk on WKZK for about a year and a half there before I took on the television program full-time I was interviewing people as well, but I was still will continue to go to the commission and committee meeting. So in saying what I'm about to say, Ken, we have been so successful the last three and a half years, Ken, it is unimaginable in, in, in the midst of all the strife that we've created among ourselves. Um, we have been successful, which I think is very, very important. I said the other day, and I, and I truly believe this in my heart, the most proudest moment that we should insert as a community is to know that the High Park families are no longer there. That's been a 50-year struggle. There have been editorials that were written saying that, you know, they can eat a spoon of dirt for the rest of their life and they still won't be contaminated. You know, it was a horrible thing for a community to say about families who could not help themselves. And I think any community should be judged about how you treat the least of, among you. And the least among us was the high power community and for the community, for the commission to finally find a way. And the thanks really goes back to Co Commissioner Corey Johnson. He was able to put that ball in place prior to leaving and finding a resolution of what could be done in High Park in terms of a retention or detention part, and they could use resources to get the families out of there. So he's to be commended for that, no mistake. But to put the put the money there, because, you know, there's always, they can say what they're going to do, but then they lock the money down. Right. So me coming on board, being a sixth vote, it was able to expedite the process uh, in a very judicious and dignified manner in about two and a half years after getting there, uh, starting before my colleague, Commissioner Mayor, I'm sorry, Commissioner Sias, Commissioner Dennis Sweden for the mayor got there, but we were able to get more of the resources that we need once they got there and keep the ball rolling. And to this day, none of those families are in high power. Also, when you're talking about uh, event, uh, uh, we have a what you call a commercial and retail development for South Augusta and other underserved areas. Everybody talks about South Augusta, but don't realize that this is in place as well. In this 2018 budget, there's $200,000 to hire two persons 
took work out of the Economic Development Office, but their sole job is to deal with development of retail and, and commercial development in South Augusta and underserved areas. I mean, those things are, uh, I think, are huge that the community's not talking about. What will that mean specifically for South Augusta? Because I don't think people understand, even as you ride through South Augusta, just the, the need for that type of development and how we throw this word around, game changer. But when we see grocery stores and different things like that in South Augusta closing, to have a, a, a dedicated uh, staff, a, a dedicated uh, operations to improving this particular area of Augusta, just inform the listeners what that really means. Uh, it means that this is their sole job. This is their sole purpose for existence as far as we're concerned. We're going to put the resources, we're going to put the energy, we're going to put the time, whatever it takes, and within reason, we're going to make this happen. And we're going to have very qualified persons who are able to do the job at the end of the day. There's going to be a committee formed that those persons will answer to, uh, and one of those persons commissioned size because he was the, 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 the spearhead of making this happen. So he's going to be a part of that committee along with our uh, the economic development director himself, Mr. Carol Ray. They will be a part of that. And so these persons will be highly qualified individuals who can do that job and deliver that without the government full support and backing. Um, as citizens, uh, as this community to continue to develop, South Augusta is the only place that needs to be developed. It needs to be developed economically, socially, morally, spiritually, just like a human being itself. We're going to give it that type of attention uh, because this community can continue to grow like no other. We're going to focus on that. That's great. I want to ask you a question because I, I've known you personally for so long, and I remember I can put a look time and a, and a place on it. August 2014. Joe Jackson's empty seat. You had a chance to step in. Talk about that moment and where you are right now. Well, that moment, the first, I need to go back two weeks prior to that moment to really comprehend that moment and for people to understand where we are as well. Two weeks prior to that, Commissioner Joe Jackson called me in the back and said he wanted to talk with me, speak with me. This was after the July 20th. I've already won at that particular time. I wanted to run off. And, he, and so I went in the back and he told me, he said, well, Ben, he said, in about two weeks, I'm going to resign. He says, you know, I lost my wife and I got my babies to take care of. He says, um, I, I like to be a person of my word. And um, I never said I would raise taxes. But at the same time, I know we need the money. Now, what he was sharing with me, unbeknownst to me, not at the time in terms of knowing we needed the money, but I knew what he was saying without him saying it. There's going to be a vote coming about raising taxes. Or that vote needs to come and being... It's going to need your support. Now, here's how I've been coming. I've been going to the meeting for quite some time. I already knew that they had overextended themselves. I already knew that. They didn't have to tell me that. But also, I also knew for the last two previous years, they had been dipping into what you call reserve funds and rainy day funds. And those things impact your credit rating and your ability to borrow money as well. And they had to find a way to relieve themselves. So in many ways, I've been used as a pawn, but I understood the need to do it. And so, in the 24th, the day that I was sworn in, is the same day the vote came up. Now, here's what people must understand, Ken. I probably never told you this before. You may have heard it before. In the course of those two weeks, in the course of those two weeks' time that Commissioner Jackson talked to me before I got sworn in, the issue of raising taxes became obvious then. So, now there's a communication between all the commissioners about raising taxes. The African-American or the Black commissioners wanted to go to two meals. The white commissioners wanted to go to a meal and a half. So we sell for a meal seven five. So we agreed upon it. Everybody, all ten of us, 
I'm not officially sworn in, but there's 10 commissions that the day I take the seat, this is going to happen. Well, the day I took the seat, when the vote came up, Commissioner Mason, to his credit, had the insight and the wisdom to do a roll call vote. Now remember that we've agreed unanimously. When the vote came down, none of the whites voted for it. Mm. Mason didn't vote for it either, but five fives, that put it back on Deep Copenhagen. Deep Copenhagen had to break the tie. So when you look at that, Ken, that is very disheartening for people for me to be a new kid on the block and the first thing I've been told live by my colleagues. These are direct conversations. This is not hearsay. But Mason had the wisdom to ask for a roll call vote, and he didn't vote for it, and he knew Deke was in, and Deke Copenhagen broke the tie to raise the taxes. So when you look back at that, I, no, I had, you, you learn you have to be a quick study. Here's something we agreed upon. Knew we needed the money. So what's, so what's the narrative to this day would have been the black commission wouldn't raise your taxes? We didn't do that. That's a hell of a way to start out. I people give you a word, is it? <laughs> I know. Well, hey, that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing. I, like I tell people all the time, I mean, you can you can really speak your mind and speak your heart and, and just say some things, I think, in this format um, that when you look at other media outlets, and I just think just people in general just really won't speak to, can't speak to, maybe yeah. don't have the, con the conviction or the courage or the candor to speak to. And so that's that's really why, you know, I just take pride in, in this format and, and for having these types of conversations. I want to go on because... And, I, and I, I just want to say this for my listeners. There's such a negative connotation with raising taxes, and I understand why that's the case because, you know, everybody, and, I, and to me, that's why you have to be perpetually involved in local, state, federal government to understand how your resources, how your taxpayer funds are being allocated. But also understand in, in an area like Augusta, in a, in a county like Augusta for so long, has paid relatively low uh, taxes. And so there are times when, for the good of every, for the good of all of Augusta, those taxes, those mills need to be raised. And so you all, you know, uh, certainly had a tough decision there. Another tough decision that you guys had was stormwater. Talk about that. Well, stormwater was something that as we begin, begin to look at it. Uh, stormwater actually, the most recent past, like I've seen information that goes back to 1992 and beyond earlier than that, talking about the need for stormwater. Uh, when they passed Splash 6, we in Splash 7 now. Splash 6 passed in 2009. And in passing in 2009, what this government in essence did is adopt the stormwater, not a fee at the time, but the program officially. And in doing that, they also allocated $3 million in Splash 6 to go out and do an infrastructure study. That's why I was up and pretty much the conversation was up and live and running when we got there. So we had already embraced that process as a community. To, 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 through passing SPLOS 6. And then as we begin to look at that, we begin to realize, okay, what was the fee structure? They had brought in consultants, and the consultants looked at $6.40 based on all the infrastructure. That's what needed to be done. And eventually, it was a long uh, task to get it done. We, you know, A lot of town, town hall meetings, a lot of the things that we knew needed to be done to get people to really understand how their money was going to be used. And really what it did, it made us put out a better product too. See, the first thing about it, don't take criticism. Our first instinct is to think, why are you criticizing me and become defensive? That's human nature. But when you really get to think about it, the person 
unbeknownst to them sometimes. They could be being mean-spirited. They're just going to make you a better person, a better, better human being, and make you more responsible to the people you should be responsible for. So we begin to fine-tune it and fine-tune and fine-tune and got to a place that we finally got the sixth vote, the last vote to come on board to support us uh, was uh, because some of my colleagues wanted to wait till after we passed the Splash 7 because we had to vote on it too because it fell in 14 and we need to go back and talk about that too. So And they wanted to wait, but we know history says they weren't going to vote for it anyway. So we can get it passed before the Splash vote come, let's go ahead and get it done. And by the grace of God, we kept communicating with Commissioner Marion Williams, Marion Williams. He came very reluctantly, kicking and screaming, and he came. He's having some heartburn today, but trust me, it's one of the better votes that he's made in his lifetime. Um, the program is two and a half years in. It is probably working at a 60 to 75 percent, what its potential is capable of doing. There's room to grow. There's room for improvement. And the good thing about it that people don't understand is that there's a five-year review process. We're in the two and a half years now. In the end of five years, we will review it and try to clean up all those missteps. There's some things you can clean up immediately, but certain things you have to go and play it out and make sure you can't fine tune it in five years time we will revisit. But the stormwater is much bigger than cutting grass, cutting ditches and things that people need. It's a water purification. We got some lakes and springs in this community that the, the, uh, the environment, the EPA is concerned about. And it takes resources to clean those things that we done. They will, they will censor us as a government and could fine us millions of dollars if we don't do that as well. So those things are never talked about. And many of those things is in rural, rural South Augusta, what we are talking about. So uh, we're excited that we have it and we will be fine tuning in two and a half years. We'll return to Making a Difference after these messages. My name is Lauren Macon and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the Medical District near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College, Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Tax problems giving you the blues. Tax liens, levies, garnishments, unfiled tax returns, denied a passport because you owe back taxes. I'm Jesse Willard with your locally owned H&R Block in Hepsiburg. We have over 25 years of experience in representing clients with tax problems, and we can help you to jazz up your life. Contact us at 706-305-1412 to schedule your free consultation. H&R Block, the one you know and trust. You probably thought they only do port drillings and iron doors, but at AAA Iron and Fabrication, they do a whole lot more. They do grills, that's right. They fabricate custom grills for your cookout needs. They forge team-specific iron doors, meaning that you can show support for the Atlanta Falcons, the Georgia Bulldogs, or whichever team you love. Of course, they do a top-notch job with the services you are familiar with. They can make your porch look like new with hundreds of styles of railings. 
and they also provide security in style with window bars. AAA Iron and Fabrication is located at 2517 Deansbridge Road. They've been in business for decades and they take pride in serving the Augusta community and surrounding areas. AAA Iron and Fabrication, they are ready to work for you. AAA Iron and Fabrication, 706-738-8044, 706-738-8044. Tell them you heard this ad on Making a Difference and you'll get 15% off your order. I am Ben Hassan, your commissioner in District 6, and I need your vote for re-election on Tuesday, May 22nd. When I fill the empty District 6 seat in 2014, I approach this office as an opportunity to serve the community and to do my due diligence for my constituents. That has not changed. I take pride in doing my research regarding city business and applying that knowledge in the decision-making process. That type of leadership has led to major decisions such as a funding mechanism for our cyber center investment and fixing infrastructure. My background in media has helped in what I believe is one of the most important tasks for an elected official, that is, listening to and responding to the concerns of the people. This is why it is so important to participate in advanced voting. If you're not able to vote early, please vote on Tuesday, May 22nd for me, Ben Hassan, the incumbent and your District 6 Commissioner, paid for by the campaign to re-elect Ben Hassan. I'm glad we're having this conversation, and I think this conversation is reflective just as you, of your philosophy as a commissioner. You really are able to step in, you know, into complex decisions, and you step in with, I think, just a, a level of research and a level of really doing your homework. Um, talk about that and, and and maybe it's just your background in media where it's just kind of just something that is innate in terms of, hey, before I make a decision that's going to affect thousands of people or in some cases hundreds of thousands of people, I want to make sure that I've looked at this thing thoroughly and looked at it from, from all facets. Well, you can see it's, 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 it's upbringing because if I want to make a, make a comparison, I don't know whether it's this to my detriment to do that, but if you look at my brother being on the school board. You can see him taking public positions and standing up for what he believe in. Whether you agree or not, history proved him right about we need to make some changes. So history has proven him right. Probably right in the heat of the battle, everybody thought it was the worst thing could happen that a black man was talking about another black man in that regard. But he wasn't talking about another black man. He's talking about a person that was responsible for the education of the kids of the Richmond County. And you had to see the bigger picture, and sometimes we don't see that to the detriment of our own community. Now, how does that come back to our upbringing? We were raised in a household of seven kids by our grandparents. Five of those were older than myself. I'm number six in age. My brother's number seven. Number six, the irony. And so my, <laughs> so my, my, the way that my grandfather raised us is this. Don't ever, don't ever come home saying that nobody whoop you. You do whatever you have to do. You make that house and I handle it from them. So we were raised to fight. Now, you know, that was probably a physical confrontation, but we also looked, that's an intellectual and moral conversation as well that we, were, that, that we grew to understand without probably ever thinking about it, but we embraced it from there. So we are very adamant, but we, but we know to do that, it takes detail. I mean, if I'm going to fight somebody, he's bigger than the building. I need to be looking around while I'm talking junk to him. Well, I'm going to bust him in the head so I can get, out, get, get some space <laughs> in between them. So at the same time, you're going to do your research so you can do battle. But also, Ken, what I think I bring to the table, and anybody will tell you, I ask five or six people, I ask their opinion. They don't agree with mine, but I'm trying to fine-tune whatever I'm about to take on simply because I want to embrace it as though it's my own idea. 
when you hear the uncle say, well, I talked to Ken Macon and he said so-and-so, so no, 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 no. But I, if I got it now, I got it. Your name will never be mentioned unless you want that. And most people don't want that. But I got to understand how you feel about it. How does this person feel about it? What makes it right? And then I embrace it and I try to wear it. My ghost wear it like a tailor-made suit. This is my position and I'm here to defend it. If I get better information, I'll say I made a mistake. I had a problem with that. And I think at the end of the day, it makes you a better human being. It makes you a better leader. And it allows you the opportunity to make the tough choice. A lot of times those choices are not understood in the moment. And you have to be willing to withstand that storm as well. Are you prepared to withstand the repercussions of the decisions that you make? And most of the time I say absolutely that I am. That's, I think it's just a great way to live life. It's something I, I have a, recently had an about face moment in terms of the Regency Mall. Uh, you may remember some of my commentary first coming out. I said, this is something we absolutely got to do. You know, it's going to be an economic game changer for South Augusta. Went back, looked at the facts, looked at how awful, you know, the, the Regency Mall deal was or is, however, you know, you, you want to put it. And I, you know, looked at places like Atlanta. I said, well, they have, you know, boondoggles, you know, th throughout the city. And these are things that, you know, that... Um, that the, the constituency uh, there has the has the answer for, and so now I'm sitting up here saying, hey, you know, this is a deal that we got to step away from. I want to get your thoughts on the Regency Mall deal. I know you were one of the folks who really stood up early on and said we really need to be looking at this deal. And the look, the people say the devil's in the details, but it seemed like the whole deal was the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, you know, some I couldn't have said that better. The whole deal was the whole deal was because we never should have been there. We never should have been there um, the way that it was done, especially, especially, you know, my, my heart goes out to, to, I couldn't say a lifelong friend, but an adult business friend, and that's Cedric Johnson. Cedric Johnson, you know, from the banking into where he is now with, the, with Augusta University, Cedric has been a man's man. That doesn't mean he's perfect. That doesn't mean nobody's perfect. The only person that's perfect is God. But my point is this, Cedric has a history of doing common spirits and getting things done quietly that's the scene insurmountable. What is an example of that? When you look at our airport today and you look and you go out there now, you know, there's still got some room. You want to go to Atlanta sometime or go to Columbia. We get that. But in terms of coming out of old barracks from Fort Gordon and other places where we were going years ago, Cedric was the chairperson out there and quietly got that done. Not only did he just get it done, he got it done against the wishes of the likes of Billy Marston and everything. You know, because they didn't want that because, once again, it was about keeping it small so we can keep control. But he's able to break that loose very quietly, appeal to the whites that was on the board, and, and eventually we have what we have now. So Cedric was the only one on the Coliseum Authority board today that they haven't done anything of this magnitude to know about how to go out and, and get bonds, get federal funds, and do those kinds of things, and to undermine him as he was undermining is a tragedy. And in many ways through this process, to my point, while we don't say he has been demonized unfairly, unfairly for other people to have their way. And that's a sad commentary. That is very, very sad for somebody who's invested so much in this community. And as you can see, after they, the commissioners, re, I'm sorry, the, the, the um, legislators restructured the Coliseum Board and downsided after the, the event of Whittemere and Bill Flanoy at that time, who Bill Flanoy was a board member, when the mayor was a citizen, he gonna tell Flanoy what to do, then they downsized that board. So you heard nothing about that board going about his business, more action ever before, and those kinds of things, and then this happened. You know, and then this happened. So this, 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 this Coliseum Authority, I had the opportunity 
to meet with the owners, had the opportunity to speak with the son-in-law who project had been dropped in his lap by his father, who's Mr. Cardinelli. Um, I don't see anything there that excites me. Now, however, I will support it if the community passes it. I just want a professional consultant to do the negotiations. And I think that's where we really get to where we really need to be, a professional negotiator, because this is going to be a $200 million deal. This deal is going to be two. You said, well, Ben, what are you based on? Right now in Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia decided in the last quarter of last year that they're going to build a, an arena on their own property, 9,000 seats, $140 million. In January, they upped that to between $160 and $175 million. They ain't broke ground yet on their own property once again. We are talking about on paper, it was talking from a 12 to a 15,000 seat arena. So you got to assume that that's going to be cost from 175 to 200 million. It's going to be the single largest investment that Augusta Richmond County has ever made. And the sad thing about it, Ken, you think about this. Here we are as a citizenry saying, we don't know what it's going to cost us, but we are vying and telling the owner, we want it on your property. We want it. We are putting ourselves at their mercy. And that is sad. You said, well, Ben, did you vote for the two? To, uh, to put it there, I, I had to, 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 to put it on the ballot. Because as the conversation was going on, you begin to make the mistakes like I made on December the 5th. And so we had to stop it and just put it in the hands of the voters. The many votes, are, many calls I got through that whole process before that vote was officially taken was about 10 calls, personally. Hmm. Seven of those calls said no. So we're talking about 70, 30 was against it. So we put it on the ballot. So if the community decides they want it there, the negotiation needs to be done by a professional negotiator. Just like uh, the Coliseum Authority would do, they was to put it back downtown, they would. Just like with the likes of Cedric Johnson, then when they went to the airport out there, they brought in professional consultants to do those kinds of things, negotiate those deals. And I'm hoping that the community be in a much better place. So that was a way to slow it down. That was a way to get a true fee from the community and then get the professional people to the table. And I'm thinking, so I'm excited about that part of it, but it's a very, very bad place that um, that that we end up in like that. Uh, that should never happen again. I don't wish it on anybody. It caused a lot of heartbreak in this community. And what really hurt us, I think, more than anything else, is the way once it happened, I think so many people got what they want out of it. What do you mean by that, Ben? Well, once that happened, you got to realize the black community was excited and then the whites and even some of my colleagues made negative comments. Well, West Augusta and Columbia County are not going to stand for that. They buy all the tickets. And what that did, that angered us just that much more that we wanted because they didn't want us to have it. And as a result of that, we, would, we begin to govern from an emotional perspective as opposed to from a logical and economic perspective. And we lost our footing. But I think it was totally wrong for a sitting elected official to make those kinds of comments uh, about where it should be based on that kind of thing, about who buys the tickets and things of that nature. Even if it's true, it is very insensitive to people that you represent, because you definitely represent Columbia County. Hmm. You know, so things are very, very insensitive. So as a result of that, it put us in a defensive posture without even thinking, I want it. And I don't care how I get it, I want it because they don't want me to have it. And we, and, and we have to realize what costs us too much to pay. How much of 
what you all have had to do as commissioners, and I'm, I'm saying this as six black commissioners, and just and just you know, if you're listening in, maybe you don't listen to the Making a Difference podcast. I'm very honest. I'm unapologetically honest about the racial politics that exists on the Augusta Commission. I think if you understand just the politics of of Augusta over an extended period of time, you understand that race plays a role. And so I'm going to ask uh, Commissioner Hassan this question in this way. I feel like so often you all have been caught between a rock and a hard place. You've been caught between the politics of the commission in and of itself with that those racial dynamics. And then some, you've been caught between a rock and a hard place, not only with just the politics of things and trying to maintain the integrity of that, but also a lot of times we see the angry mob, whether the angry mob is downtown, you know, um, save the J, different things like that. How are you able to... And, and maybe you can speak for yourself, maybe not so much the six black commissioners. How are you able to, to kind of move and, and still accomplish things, even though you're between that rock and a hard place at times? Well, I, I have to really thank my friend and mentor, Grady Abrams, who just recently passed. Sorry to hear that. Uh, when I, I, I met Grady in 2006, Grady Abrams, in my mind, was a legend in this town. Uh, and believe it or not, I, I was born and raised on 9th Street, which is James Brown Boulevard now. And Grady pretty much his adult life. Um, when, when he was an activist and everything, that he lived on 10th Street, which is right around the corner from me. So he was a name thing, but I had never officially met him. So I met him in 2006, right as I was going on the radio. Uh, mutual friends said, you know, that's why I was going on the radio, and they were talking about my topic. He said, Ben, you need to meet Grady Abrams. And I said, well, I just looking at the paper this morning, and he's going to be giving a showing at the Laney Museum. Um, I said, y'all got his number? I said, I'll call and let him know I'm going to come to his show, and I want to, I want to talk with him. And true enough, we were able to make that happen. So to answer your question, Grady Abrams informed me how to deal with how to navigate that landscape. And one of the ways he told me, Ken, is act, think about myself as much as I could grasp the thought process of being a white person who has been privileged, who's pretty much even the, the culture, the nature of the culture of this country gives them a lot of leeway, even if you... What you say, having to live in a trailer. You still got rights that I don't have. White privilege. I, just want White to, privilege. I don't want my, listen, my listeners to lose that, but carry on. White privilege. And so you have to think about from that and what, what their, their sense of entitlement is. And at the same time, think about that. So don't demonize them from a cultural perspective because of the way they've been trained. Try to understand it. And it gives you leverage not to be angry when you hear certain things and they can even push, can easily push your buttons. You don't allow certain things. You just, you work it, you navigate yourself around it. And at the same time, be honest with yourself about the state of the mindset of your own people. I said just recently, when you talk about Dr. Carter G. Wilson, one of the books that he wrote was The Miseducation of the Negro. We used to be getting Negro History Week and now it's Negro History Month. And the thing that said that we had not been educated, we've been trained, and we've been trained to fail. So here we are, been trained to fail, and if white America has been trained to think that the white privilege, it belong, everything belongs to them. They're entitled to it. And so both of us have been exploited. You should, both of us should earn what we kill, eat what we kill. We don't kill, no, we don't eat. You know what I'm saying? But the privileges and the deniability of us has put us at arch enemies of each other. And so I have to understand where they're coming from and it gives me a sense to their world, which most times he also said, they don't care about what you think. I mean, don't, 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 don't get that confused, Ben. White folks don't care about what you think. So one hand, so listen again now. Don't worry about them concerned about what I think. They don't care. They ain't been trying to care about what I think. And number two, 
understand that they have a sense of entitlement based on the culture of nature. Nobody's bad people. It is what it is. So to your point, have I navigated? I've navigated with that understanding in mind. And it, once you have that understanding, it, it allows you to to govern with with a, a confidence and a consciousness. It sounds like it, it does because I can see when they're saying because many times you can hear commentary that you know could be easily construed and probably is to be racially insensitive. But do I blame this person for adopting a culture and talking, having a conversation that they've been taught all their life and they may not be aware of it? They have to come to that realization. I, ain't, I don't have that kind of time. Remember, he said, he don't care what I think. So I'm wasting time trying to convert him as opposed to getting a policy passed. So what I do is try to show a, a better way to do the policy. I try to down uh, my aggressiveness and move on because ultimately I want the policy passed. See, I'm not in it to say to be a Mexican, I'm, I'm sorry, that's because being said, to be a standoff. We're here to do a job for the citizens of Augusta, Richmond County, and have to find a way to get it done. But those are the kinds of things that give me the opportunity to look inside everybody's world, including my own, and knowing my shortcomings as well. I have to be honest with what, what my limitations are and try to find out who I need to align myself. And so with that, it's been sometimes it's been two blacks and four whites working together to get something passed. And sometimes it's been six blacks. And sometimes it's been uh, well, four blacks and two whites. <laughs> you know. So I've been on I've been on the side of all of that. And I've in every vote I've made, if I had to do it again, I'd do it again. I don't I don't I don't regret any of it. It's not a vote I did that I regret. That's a that's that's legacy, and I tell you that's that's standing on uh, on your merits. As we close this conversation, we're talking now, you know, as uh, the former president, Barack Obama said, you know, I'm not the candidate, I'm the president. You're not the candidate, you're the incumbent. I just want you to, to kind of impress uh, upon the listening audience and upon your constituency because of that, the importance of people coming out and voting and just helping you continue in the work that you've been in, that well, you've been in for the last four years. Well, thank you once again, Ken, for the opportunity to do that. Um, I think in terms of what we've been able to do, the High Park community, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that, that's near and dear. I think would say to the community is hard. But also to know that we've been able to balance the budget for the last three years. Ken, you can, you can witness yourself the years that Fred was down there saying, he you looking for $3 million, $4 Fred million. Russell, Fred Russell, Russell, former administrator, looking for $3 million. And that, and that deadline extends all the way to the last week in, in December when that budget is supposed to be finalized the second week in November. We've done that. When you talk about for the years, Ken, you've heard employees down in Richmond County saying they ain't getting no raise and they being underpaid. We've been able to raise that minimum wage to uh, uh, that minimum salary up to a decent salary at this particular time. We've been able to do that, We've, and all up to all employees. You also, when you talk about to increase the pension multiplier to give people a quality of life after they retire from Augusta, Richmond County. To look at to being a part of investing in the hundred million dollars that Governor Nathan Dia gave to the city of Augusta, we put in our twelve million dollars going in. We knowing how we're going to uh, uh, fund that process without raising the taxes to do that. Looking at other companies that are coming here and constantly growing as a result of that people don't invest their money; they don't have confidence in leadership. I don't care what nobody tell you that. They may not say it. They may not say that this is the best government. But I can tell you, it's only been said one time. When the Splash 7 passed after we redone it in 15 and we took out all the NGOs and that Splash had failed in 2014 to the tune of 51% of the voters voted against it and we put one together and it passed by 62% of the voters, it was deemed as the best Splash package ever. 
So those are the kind of things that you, when you look at a nutshell, that this government is in a place, Ken, that yourself and others have been asking for quite some time. When are we going to see a breakthrough? We're at that moment in time, Ken. And if they want to continue to see us to go to the next level in a real way where it's really near and dear to your heart, it is to be consistent in leaving leadership in place who is not afraid to make tough decisions because the tough decisions still have to be made. And being a son is capable of making those tough decisions. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We want you all to uh, take advantage of advanced voting. If you're not able to do that Tuesday, May the 22nd, here's what here's what um, I would say opponents of the community are, are saying. They're saying that you all aren't going to come out and vote because it's not November. But as you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to this podcast because you care about local politics. And if you care about local politics, May, Tuesday, May the 22nd, we absolutely got to see you at the polls. And I'm sure... The uh, incumbent for District 6 would love for you to come out and re-elect him um, at, at this very important time. And we're so glad to have you on the podcast, Mr. Ben Hassan. Thank you very much, Ben. All right. So the episode just ended and you're mad. MAD making a difference, but you're also mad because the episode is over. But here's the deal. The movement continues. It continues on social media and far beyond social media, Facebook, Twitter. You can go to Facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference show and you can keep up with social commentaries. You can also know when the podcasts are coming out. You can also know when our video laws are coming out. And that's the way you can keep up with that is Facebook.com backslash making difference show. You can also keep up with us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is difference making that's D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E making M-A-K-I-N. If you want to follow the SoundCloud podcast, you can do so by going to soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. If you're interested in advertising with making a difference, you can shoot an email to making M-A-K-I-N a difference show at gmail.com. That's making a difference show at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your support. I love you guys. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.